Your business is on the runway, ready for takeoff, yet your team is not even making contact. You're exhausted, and the business needs to make more money to stay successful. What do you do next? Welcome to Ask the Coach with professional business coach Oliver Baisner. If you're ready to soar to new heights with your business and be the pilot of your own successful destiny, stay tuned. We're ready to roll. Now, here's your host, Oliver Baisner. Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome, and I'm excited to uh, be launching my first show with all of you. It's uh, Oliver Basin here with Ask the Coach. So our topic today is delegate or die. I think some of you are going to find this very interesting because I've had the opportunity as a business coach over the years to work with many entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives. And if they don't learn to delegate, they will die because uh, you can't do it all yourself. So a little bit about me, just so you know, real quick snippet. Uh, I've been uh, fixing and helping uh, companies grow, turn around their culture and their profitability now for over 30 years. So I guess that makes me the old guy. But uh, I've, in that uh, time, I've also had a lot of experience. I've had the opportunity to go out there and uh, work with teams and to work with entrepreneurs and, and really get excited when I'm able to do that and help them grow their businesses. You know, so uh, as a business coach, uh, I literally ask a lot of questions. And so we're going to give you that opportunity as well later on the show is uh, it is about you asking me the questions. So if you've got something you're struggling with, particularly today around delegation and your team, uh, give me a call and uh, we'll let you know what that number is in, in a little bit. And uh, we'll see if we can help you out. So let's talk about delegation. So all of you need to learn how to delegate eventually because you can't do it yourself. And if you don't delegate you will likely fail. And, and that's just a sad statistic. In fact, one of the biggest reasons for new leaders and entrepreneurs to fail is they can't go from the doing to the delegating. So they still try to do it all themselves for various reasons and they forget that uh, at some point they're gonna run out of themselves to be able to do that, so to speak. So what are we gonna be looking at today? Well, we're gonna talk about why to delegate. So why is it even important? How to delegate? You know, what can you delegate? Often I get that question is, you know, well, I don't really know what to delegate and who, did, you know, who do I even hire? And then whom to delegate to? So uh, we'll cover all of that. You know, Lou Holtz, the uh, American football coach, said it best. It's not the load that breaks you down. It's the way you carry it. And so hopefully we're going to help you carry your load a little bit differently today. So um, let's talk about some limiting beliefs. There's lots of them. So what's holding you back currently? I want you to, as I'm going through these, you know, kind of think about which one of these are, are your belief systems. And then we'll, we'll break those down for you. Um, by doing this myself, I'm saving time. You know, I, I, it's just quicker. Um, if I do this myself, I'll save us a lot of money. Who's got that one out there? I hear that one a lot. Or I don't have the money to pay someone. Don't worry about that. We'll get over the limiting beliefs. In fact, I'll show you a way you can pay people and get real creative about uh, getting the help uh, with no cost today. It would just take too long for me to find someone else to do these tasks. Nobody can do this as well as me. I'll tell you, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said that to me, yes, that might be true, but it might not be true as well. And even if it was true, and let's say you hired someone and they're only doing it 80% as well as you are, I'd rather have a whole bunch of people doing it 80% as well than be trying to do 180% myself. There isn't enough time for me to teach someone how to do this. And I don't have the time to find someone. I'm too busy to go out there and actually look and find somebody. You know, 
there's something I, I really want to share with all of you right now. If you're saying you're too busy because, you know, those limited beliefs, a lot of them have to do around time. You know, something that I've, uh, I used to say a lot is I don't have enough time or I don't have time to get that done or I don't have time to do this. And so if you're saying that, I want you to stop lying to yourself because that's really what you're doing. We all have the same 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 168 hours uh, in a week. And so that 168 hours gets divided up and you get to decide what to do with it. And so when you're saying I'm too busy, what you're really saying is it's not a priority. And so from now on, instead of saying to yourself, I'm too busy, or saying to other people, you're too busy, I want you to look them in the eye and say, I just can't make that a priority right now, or it's not a priority. Let me give you an example. I was working with a client of mine a few years back, and uh, you know we had uh, been working together a while, and we were talking about some of her personal, the personal side of her life, and she told me that you know one of her goals this year was to go to one of her son's soccer games. And I thought I heard her wrong. I said, you mean miss one of your son's soccer games? And she said, no, I've never had the time to actually go to a soccer game. And I was shocked, right? Because here's somebody who's accomplished, successful, and so busy in her mind that she couldn't make a soccer game. And so I said to her, I said, you know, from now on, I want you to stop lying to yourself. And I want you to say, not I'm too busy. Next time your son asks if you're coming to the game, I want you to look him in the eye and I want you to say to him, it's not a priority. Of course, she was horrified. She said, I can't do that. He'll think he's not a priority. And I looked at her calmly and I said, is he? And so that changed our whole, whole coaching session. And from then on, she realized that she wasn't making her family a priority. Now, I can tell you the great news is at the end of that season, she made well over half of his soccer games because she just couldn't bring herself to say it's not a priority. So for you to change your wording from I'm too busy to it's not a priority can change everything for you because the truth is we're all busy and we all have the same number of hours in the day. So what are some of the other limiting beliefs? Well, if I get better at time management, then I'll get more done. You know, I, I do a whole talk and, and course and workshop on time management. I can tell you when I do that with, uh, with executives and teams, often it's not about them adding more stuff into their day. When we're talking about time management, we're often trying to find ways for them to eliminate things in their day, take things off their plate so they can actually breathe and function better in the job they're required to do. Here's another limiting belief. I have always done it, so I need to keep doing it. Now, is that really true? You've always done it, so you need to keep doing it? Or is it really that maybe you don't want to come out of your comfort zone and you're avoiding some things that you don't want to do? You know, the big one that I, I've seen over the years of working in over four dozen industries now is people will use that as an excuse because they don't want to do what's tough. So possibly they don't want to make those cold calls if they're in sales. Possibly they don't want to do the follow-up just in case they get rejected. And so instead, they say, well, I've got to do this because I've always done it, so I've got to keep doing it, and then I don't have time to do this. Well, really, is, it, is that the truth? Are you really trying to step out of your comfort zone, or are you avoiding stepping out of your comfort zone? I can't afford to do this because my company isn't making enough money. I love this one because I'll give you an example later in the show today where I was making very little money, and yet I was still able to delegate, right? And in delegating, I was able to grow my business effectively by doing that. I actually like doing these things that I'm doing. 
you know, this is one that I've heard before, especially from entrepreneurs and, you know, often if they're in private practice, lawyers like to be lawyers and chiropractors like to be chiropractors. You know, I was doing some work a number of years ago with a husband and wife team. They owned an alternative health clinic. Uh, he was a chiropractor. She was a naturopath. Um, and as we were talking about their business, they said, but we, we want to be behind closed doors working with our patients. That's what we love to do. But the challenge was, and here's why they had brought me in, was the experience that their patients were getting was excellent to horrible depending on who was in reception. You see, because while they were dealing with the patients behind the closed door, they didn't really have the ability to know what was going on at the reception desk. They would hire someone, of course, train them, but the the actual experience as a patient, and I was a patient of theirs, was different depending on who was there. And so I looked at them and I said, you know, that's great if you want to continue to do what you love to do, but then you're going to have to put somebody in place to take care of the other stuff because it just can't go on its own and fix itself, right? And so that's how we proceeded to move forward and, and help them move forward with their business. Here's another one I love uh, in terms of limiting beliefs. A true entrepreneur builds their company all on their own. No, they don't. Let me repeat that. No, they don't. I don't know one entrepreneur or business owner that built their company all on their own. They either had mentors, they might have had people who invested in their business, they've, they might have had, in the beginning, might have had even some free help, you know, friends and family, right, or when they're putting in some sweat equity with them but nobody builds their business on their own. So what, what they're really saying is there's a fear of losing control there. And they don't wanna lose control of everything that's going on. So they back that up by saying, I'm either gonna do it all myself or entrepreneurs really need to do it on their own to grow their business. And so those are the limited beliefs. So we're gonna talk a lot about how to get through them and, and how to delegate and uh, really excited about, you know, where we're moving forward in the show this morning. So. You know, John Paul Getty said it best when he said, I'd rather earn 1% of others' efforts than 100% of my own. So true. I agree completely. Why would I want to earn 100% of my own efforts when I can earn 1%, 10%, 50% of 100 people's efforts or even 10 people's efforts? So that's how you want to think about delegation. And besides, if you're listening to this show, chances are maybe you're trying to learn how to be a better delegator or more effective at it, or maybe you're on the verge of dying and you're getting ready to burn out because you're trying to do it all yourself. So why would we even talk about delegation? Well, let's talk about you know some of the some of the other questions that I've had. What's your specialty that people hire you for? Oh, good question. So if you've got a specialty, and often if it's uh, somebody in a, in a corporation, as an executive, a manager, a leader, uh, it, can be your it can be your expertise. They're hiring you for your expertise. They're hiring you for your leadership ability. Maybe you've got that gift of leadership or you, you've you know, spent a lot of time in leadership and gotten very good at it. But what's that specialty that people hire you for? And how many hours on average in a day are you actually doing your specialty? I want you to think about that. So if your specialty is being hired to provide leadership to your team and you're only doing that maybe two hours a day, then that's the two hours you're doing your specialty. The other six, eight, whatever hours you work, you're doing other stuff, whether it's reports, emails, all that, that those things that get in the way. And so I call those the trivial many things that we need to get done instead of the critical few. If you're hired for leadership, the critical few things are you need to provide leadership, guidance, mentoring, 
coaching to your team. That's what you're hired for. Make them successful so that you're successful and the company's successful. So let's say you are doing your specialty two hours a day. Whatever number you have, I'm going to keep it simple today for the show. Uh, we're going to keep it this real nice round numbers. I want you to determine how many hours are you working currently on average in your specialty in a day. So if it's two hours, let's say that's 10 hours a week and a five-day work week. And then what does that translate into you working at your specialty, at what you're good at in a year? So in my example, it, you know, I'm going to go with 48 weeks because I'm going to assume that people you know, have about four weeks a year, maybe where they get away or take vacation. So that's 480 hours. So 480 hours a year that you're doing your specialty. Now, let's say your salary is $100,000 a year, again, for round number's sake. So what are you worth? Divide that $100,000 by the 480 hours. That means that particular individual is worth $208.33 an hour. Now, what if they could do their specialty twice as much? What if you're an expert and you get paid for your expertise? Let's say you're a coach or a consultant and people are hiring you for your expertise. What if you could double the amount of time that you're actually doing your expertise versus all the other stuff? Think about what that would mean to you financially. So you're worth a lot more than you think. And that's my point. I want you to think about what are you really worth? You know, I want you to evaluate your responsibilities. Let's, now that you know what you're worth, let's figure out what you need to do to do more of it. So what are the roles only you can do? Start with that. So what is that expertise? What are the things that only you can do in your business? And be honest with yourself, you know, because there's definitely some things that other people could do, whether they do them as well or not is yet to be determined. Uh, but what are the things only you can do? And then evaluate your priorities. So when you're evaluating your priorities, I want you to think about what are the things that are most important, those critical few things in your business, job, or career to move things forward. So where's your time best spent? And how many hours a week are you spending doing something someone else could be doing? So in my original example, that person assuming a 40 hour work week, and I know some of the entrepreneurs out there go, oh my God, I wish it was only 40 hours. I'm working 70 hours. But let's assume a 40 hour work week, and from there you're spending 30 hours a week doing stuff that maybe could be delegated. Now. Imagine if you had the time freed up to focus on your specialty. What would that mean? How much happier would you be? How much more fulfilled would you be? How much more productive would you be? How much more fun would you have in your career or in your business? Would you feel like you will finally own the business again instead of the business owning you? Great question. Now, there's a saying out there, and the saying goes like this. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. I disagree. It should say, never put off until tomorrow what you can delegate to someone else today. Think about that. Never put off tomorrow what you can delegate to someone else today. It's a whole new way of looking at the way you do business. And so that's what we're going to be spending the rest of our show on. And as I mentioned, if, you know, after our break, which is coming up in, a, in about a minute, you know, after that break, I want you to also think about if you've got a question, feel free to give me a call and, and we'll take some calls in between what we're going to talk about because we're going to move into the four levels of delegating. So in the four levels of delegating, 
we're going to talk about you know what true delegation looks like and and there can be some strengths there and some pitfalls you have to watch out for but there's also other ways that people delegate that maybe aren't as effective and so we're going to talk about all those four steps you know and i'll give you a little hint you know if you're that boss who's constantly checking in with people and following up and making sure they do stuff and and that's called micromanaging that's not effective delegation because really you're probably not trusting someone. So we'll talk, that'll be the first one we talk about after our break. And uh, so we're going to move to break right now and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. At Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, we work with business owners and leaders to get the results they need. You can focus on the horizon, break barriers, and navigate change. Stop flying around in circles and get ready to break through to new levels of success. Sonic Coaching has a proven track record of helping entrepreneurs and leaders improve financial performance and success. It's time to turn around negative performance and morale. Instead, let sales soar and take profit performance to new levels. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can provide the right tools and systems to get you where you want to go. We function as the CEO and executive team's co-pilot. Visit soniccoaching.com. Rise to amazing heights with your team. Join successful business owners and leaders who have let Sonic Breakthrough Coaching pilot them to success. Visit soniccoaching.com today. Sonic Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. We're on the web at soniccoaching.com. Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can help provide the right tools you need to get there. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching works with business owners to improve both team and financial performance and with a proven track record of successfully helping owners and leaders turn around negative performance and morale and source sales and profit performance to new levels. The time is now. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. Visit soniccoaching.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're tuned in to Ask the Coach with Oliver Basner. To reach the show today, call us at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Ask the Coach. And we're back. For those of you just joining us, uh, it's Oliver Basner. We're talking about delegating or dying today. So if you if you missed the first few uh, minutes of the show, first or uh, third, 15 minutes, uh, what we talked about was if you don't delegate, you're never going to be as productive, effective, and eventually you might even burn out. So uh, let's talk about ways that people delegate, what's effective, what isn't. Uh, what, what's the leadership style that's tied to that delegation? And what's also the learning style from the people being delegated to? So the first leadership style I want to talk about is more of the telling style, right? So the leader tells somebody what to do, uh, and they figure they've delegated that effectively. Now, here's the challenge with that, right? If you're using that leadership style and you're just telling somebody what to do, 
will they know how to do it or won't they know how to do it? You know, so if you want to make that a little bit more effective, you could maybe be teaching or instructing, right? So give them some way of knowing how to move forward. Give them examples of what to do, maybe work side by side with them. Provide some structure and processes, right? So if, if you're hiring someone to do an administrative job and there's no structure and process around that, well, what exactly do they do? And how do you want things entered into the, into the books and into the accounting system? You know, and then explain the objectives, right? You want to make sure that, you know, what's the outcome supposed to look like? I would even say from, from the learning side, you know, which we're going to flip over to now, you want to check in with them and, and ask them to repeat back what you've just delegated. That's much more effective than just telling somebody what to do. You know, so the person on the learning side is probably going to be a little bit more process oriented. You know, they need clarity on the expectations, right? So you have to be clear. Otherwise, you know, they don't know what, what you expect of them. And then they don't know where to start, especially if they're brand new. So if they're new to the role, new to the company, or new to the industry, you have to be really clear so that they know where to start from. Now, here's the dangers of um, doing this incorrectly. So if you're a leader and you're really checking in on people a lot, and I kind of alluded to this before the break, you know, you're following up, you're checking in, you're asking about this, what's going on about this, what are you doing about this, how about this, what about this client, what about this uh, project that you're working on, sounds a little bit micromanaging, sounds a lot micromanaging. And so that's the danger, right? There's a fine line here, there's a balance. You want to be able to delegate to people, but you don't want to micromanage them. You know, my rule of thumb has always been this. If I've got people that I hire, I hire the right people who can get the job done. I will give them all the tools and the resources and support to make sure they do it well. Now, if they're not doing it well, then I will do my best to help them get better at it. You know, I had a, a, a manager that reported to me a number of years ago who, uh, during her annual review, said to me, you know, you're a real micromanager. Now, I know that I've never had that feedback. You know, people always said that they really enjoy working with me and for me because I was the kind of leader that would, you know, give them enough rope and let them run with it and, and really shine. And so when she said that, I, I looked at her and I said, well, you know, unfortunately, you haven't hit your targets in a year now. Right. And with all the support and everything that you've been getting, you're still missing your targets. So you're going to feel somewhat micromanaged because I have to make sure that we're on track. Right. And so if you're feeling micromanaged, it's because you're not hitting the KPIs that have been set out for you. And so that was pretty easy to explain. You're going to feel micromanaged till you actually start hitting your targets. So I had a manager that I worked for years ago and she regularly would check in on me and that she was that kind of person who did care a lot and you know well what about this customer and how are you doing with this and oh when are you flying back into to work with uh, with your team you know over here in, in this region and and it was just constant bombardment of questions and and I realized that you know that was just her own insecurities that things weren't going to fall through the cracks so I started to communicate really effectively with her and proactively let her know what was going on and guess what? I mean, I was hitting my targets. So it wasn't like I wasn't hitting the targets that were set out. She just was constantly needing to be in the know. So what I did is I gave her a weekly report, you know, weekly summary. And so here's the summary. Here's what's going on. Here's my plans for next week. And the micromanaging slowed down. I wouldn't say stop, but it slowed down. So let's talk about uh, the next type of delegating. That's the coaching style of delegation. And so the coaching style of delegation, you know, the leader is usually trying to convince or sell somebody 
on an idea. You know, as, as a business and executive coach myself, I ask a lot of questions, so that's my coaching style. But some coaches see it more as they go in as the expert and they just tell people what to do. And so the leadership style that you're using is more of showing somebody, guiding somebody, maybe even demonstrating it. So often we'll use uh, a whiteboard uh, where I'll, I'll draw out a drawing or an example for my clients. Um, it can be somewhat more controlling as well. So that's the caution around the coach approach to delegation. And then um, leading questions can also lead into the danger zone of, you know, are you letting them actually learn and try things their way or are you trying to manipulate them to do it your way? Right. So, you know, it's, it's great to ask questions. I've always said great leaders ask great questions. But if you're asking questions to manipulate the team to do what you need to do and it's not for their in their best interest necessarily because you're kind of stifling their creativity, it's something you want to watch out for. Um, and then the learning style. So let's talk about that learning style from the other side. So they need to see or have someone side by side, call it shoulder to shoulder maybe, um, working with them. Uh, that would be the learning style for the coach approach. Um, they'll ask lots of questions. And, and if they're not asking questions, you need to probe them for questions because you really want to know what's going on at that point. If you're delegating and, and, and using the coach approach where you're really coaching them through something difficult, you want to make sure the understanding is clear. And as I, I said earlier in the show, one of, one of the questions that I ask is I ask them to repeat back you know, kind of step by step or what we're doing right now, what their thought is, what the outcome should look like. Because then you really get them in their words sharing what you just shared with them or explained to them or showed them and you'll you'll know they got it. And then the, uh, the last one is um, the, the can you show me how question. So you have to be careful because if you're using the coach approach, sometimes the people being coached or trained will want you to show them how to do it. And they'll want you to show them how to do it again. And every time something new comes up, instead of thinking for themselves, they might actually want you to guide them through it. So that becomes relatively high maintenance for you. So I'll give you an example. Uh, I had a client I was working with a few years back, and we'd had a few sessions of coaching. And you know, as in my normal coaching approach, I'm asking questions and guiding, guiding them, you know, down down where they want to go in terms of their success in their business. And finally, he just leaned across the desk and he said to me, "Look." Why don't you just quit telling me what to do and asking me all these darn questions and just come do it for me? In other words, he wanted me to come work for him. And I looked at him and I said, well, I would, but you can't afford me, number one. And secondly, I wasn't looking, I'm not looking for a job, right? I wasn't looking for a job when I, you know, took him on as a client. And so, you know, we had a great coaching relationship and um, I was able to guide him down uh, exactly where he needed to go with his business. And but I had to be careful because I didn't want to get to a point where I was doing all the work for him as the coach. Right. So you as a coach, whether it's an internal organization inside the organization, you're a leader or a manager uh, or you're an entrepreneur trying to coach your team. Be careful. You don't fall into that trap that you end up doing a bunch of the work uh, because they're constantly asking you to show them. You know, it also, there's a danger there, they'll start lacking initiative. So they'll check out on you or they'll start, you know, spending time on useless things, whether that is filling their time or whether that's spending time on, on their phone and texting or whatever that looks like. So just be very careful. Uh, coach approach works very well, but you have to watch out for the dangers. Now, the third style is a supportive style of delegation. And 
this style is where the leadership style is collaborative, right? It's more of a collaborative approach. Uh, the leader is more of a cheerleader, uh, more of a motivator. Uh, it could, this can be quite empowering for the person that, that is being supported and delegated to. Uh, and the leader has to be fantastic at open-ended questions. So the closed-ended question might be, you know, do you understand this? Right? And it'll be a yes or no. The open-ended question will be, can you kind of sort of mimic back or explain to me your understanding of what we just learned? Can you kind of walk me through the process you're going to go through? Right? So that forces them to speak and to talk and to give feedback. And so that's what you want to do. Now, the danger on the leadership side is war stories, right? We don't necessarily want to hear every war story that you've been through as you're going through that supportive approach of delegation, right? And the horror stories. And, you know, it's great to share a story once in a while. And you'll notice even on my show, um, I'll give you examples of, of clients I've worked with or results that, that we've achieved. But I do that to help you understand what we're talking about. But if I'm going out there and the entire show is telling you one more story after another, probably at some point it's going to get a little bit old. So the learning style on the other side is the person being delegated to actually needs to be able to try. They need to give it a shot. It can't be someone who's scared to try anything new. And, you know, we all sometimes have fear of trying new things. But if they're not even open to any kind of change or any kind of openness to trying, it's going to be very tough for you to be supportive. And you might move more into that, that role where you're going to be telling again, right? And so how open is the person that you're communicating with? Uh, that person needs to be able to learn from their mistakes. So you have to create a safe environment. You know, if your environment is that you ridicule everybody, uh, especially, uh, uh, you know, among the team or in, in, in meetings, that's not healthy. Right. And so you can't ridicule people and then expect them to make mistakes. Right. They have to feel safe. Now they have to be calculated mistakes. And you know, I've always said um, I will always hire people and then, you know, give them the opportunity to learn if they make a mistake. So be it. There was a, a, an article I read a, a couple of years ago and uh, somebody had made a million dollar mistake in their organization and uh, they got called up to the CEO's office. And fully anticipating that the CEO was going to chew them out or definitely fire them at the end of that, uh, they went in and, you know, sat down and, this, you know, had a, the CEO had a conversation with them about what happened. And, uh, you know, he basically said, okay, well, I need you to go out there and do better. And the person who thought they were getting fired, who made the mistake, said to the CEO, I fully expected that you were going to fire me today. He said, why would I fire you? You just had a million dollar learning. I just paid a million dollars to get you an education. Are you ever going to make that mistake again? And, of course, it was no, sir, right? And, um, and so this CEO understood that there was some huge learnings from that million-dollar mistake, and they were never making it again. So that's how you kind of want to look at mistakes. Now, I'm not suggesting you let people make million-dollar mistakes, although I have heard of them. Um, but you want people to be able to at least take some calculated risks and um, hopefully not make too many mistakes but learn from them. Um, people on the learning side like to experiment, so you want people who are willing to try new things, experiment, give things a new shot, and feedback. They're going to want to know how they're doing, right? So how am I doing, right? Is this kind of what you were thinking of? Is this how I'm doing? So uh, again, the danger on the leadership side were the war stories. The danger on the 
person be delegated to is it, they're going to be in need of constant feedback. So you have to watch for that, you know, because possibly there's just going to be constant feedback that they require to keep feeling good about what they're doing. So they could become high maintenance. So I have to watch out for that. Now let's talk about true delegation. You know, perfect delegation, um, you know, the leadership style is a delegating style. And so, you know, you're empowering people. That's a great word. What does that mean? Well, it means that people are able to run with, you know, what you've delegated. They're able to take initiative, be proactive. And so that's the empowering style of leadership. You know, there's, there's usually um, some kind of system and process in place. Um, there's some level of detail. And you're trusting with confidence. So you've trusted that you've hired the right person, that they're going to do a great job for you. And um, so that's, that's really what you're looking for uh, when you're delegating effectively. Now, it all starts with surrounding yourself with the right people. So the learning style from their side, oh, before we even do that, the danger of a leader who delegates very effectively, has great people who run with uh, what's been delegated to them, is there's a danger of absentee leadership. All of a sudden you figure that, ah, they got this, right? And you kind of, it's kind of one of those things where out of sight, out of mind, you don't worry about them, right? And so you become absent, you know, maybe not because you're going to the golf course, but it just might be you're busy, you know, looking after another department or division or other projects that you're thinking about. And so you want to make sure that doesn't happen. You have to actually still check in with your team. And um, and then on the learning side, you know, the danger is that, you know, they might become poor communicators because they're just running with things and, and they're effective at it and they're going going hard, but they forget to actually give you feedback. So you have to have that feedback mechanism. So on both sides, it's great to have, you know, either a regular check in um, or um, some kind of a process where maybe they've got a report. You know, I had sales teams in the past where they've had to give me, you know, weekly reports and summaries. Um, and, and I had another sales team in a different organization where we had a what we call the flash report where they would report on what was going on in the marketplace. So it was just a nice way for me to to be able to be kind of in the know of what was going on in the marketplace um, with my team without actually having to go with them all the time. Now, I have three words. These are my three favorite words that I, I use with everybody uh, when I'm working with them. And so I, if you've got a pen, I'd suggest you write these down. Trust, but verify. You know, true delegation isn't, I'm going to give you this and then let it be and it'll be done. Right? I do trust, but verify. Um, and, the, you know, if they're brand new, you should probably trust, but verify every day. Right? And check in with them regularly. Um, and so when I have a new person that works with me, we're, you know, we usually have a meeting on a, you know, on a daily basis, and even if it's a five-minute check-in on how they're doing, and of course, you know, they're they're free to ask questions and get any guidance they need. Now, as they've been with me a while, then we go from trust but verifying on a daily basis to maybe weekly. Maybe we, you know, if they've been with me a long time and worked with me a long time, you know, then we trust but verify, you know, as needed, right? But I never stop trusting but verifying. You know, I, you know, my assistant, Chessa, who um, has been with me four years, is a great example of that. You know, when she first started, you know, she had uh, very little experience, uh, no experience in, in our industry. And so I had to trust but verify and everything. So initially when she was sending emails, you know, I said to her, okay, before you hit send, you know, let, let me just double check and, and read some of your emails to make sure the wording is the wording that we use here. Right? And it makes sense. And then as she got, uh, as I got comfortable, with her ability to do that, then I said, okay, so from now on, you know, just go ahead, send the emails, but blind copy me in for a little while. 
right? So I could still see what was going on. And then eventually we stopped the blind copying. You know, eventually we got to a point, you know, after four years, I mean, she sends emails on my behalf. She checks my emails. I don't have to worry about those things. You know, but we had to trust but verify a lot in the beginning. And even now, you know, I would still trust but verify. It's just not as often. Um, and so it might look like, oh, you know, tell me, have you had a chance to follow up on, on you know, this project? And, you know, did you send the emails out to these clients, right? Because, again, she's sending things without my knowledge now. So we're still checking in, trusting but verifying. So three words, trust but verify. If you ever stop trusting but verifying, uh, you, you will find that you might have a problem with uh, what's going on. Uh, because you just don't know what's going on. I'll give you a quick example. I had a client in my office uh, last week. And um, he took over a project halfway through this massive project in this company uh, because he needed to be put on the project to help kind of get things back on the rails. Uh, he is, his boss walked in about a week later and, and said, you know, okay, where are we at with this? And has this been ordered? And how are things going? And you know, he got caught, right? He, um, he had delegated some of that work to somebody else while he focused on the bigger things, but he forgot to check in. He forgot to trust but verify. And so he didn't have an answer. So as we were sitting there and he was, you know, recapping that conversation with me, I asked him, I said, so in your mind, you know, my three favorite words. I didn't even tell him what they were. I said, what was missing? And he knew right away. He said, yeah, I forgot to verify. And so remember, if you're not trusting but verifying, you could get caught. So, um, you know, great example there. And so when you're delegating, pure delegation is empowering. You trust you know, they run with it, they take initiative, and you trust but verify. So that's uh, that's really what you're looking for. So when we come back, now we're going to talk about surrounding yourself with the right people. How do I find the money? Uh, because I can't really afford to hire somebody. And uh, also, uh, we'll take in some questions as well, questions I've had. And uh, we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Propelling your business to new heights is easier than you think. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can help provide the right tools you need to get there. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching works with business owners to improve both team and financial performance and with a proven track record of successfully helping owners and leaders turn around negative performance and morale and soar sales and profit performance to new levels. The time is now. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. Visit soniccoaching.com. At Sonic Breakthrough Coaching, we work with business owners and leaders to get the results they need. You can focus on the horizon, break barriers, and navigate change. Stop flying around in circles and get ready to break through to new levels of success. Sonic Coaching has a proven track record of helping entrepreneurs and leaders improve financial performance and success. It's time to turn around negative performance and morale. Instead, let sales soar and take profit performance to new levels. Sonic Breakthrough Coaching can provide the right tools and systems to get you where you want to go. We function as the CEO and executive team's co-pilot. Visit soniccoaching.com. Rise to amazing heights with your team. Join successful business owners and leaders who have let Sonic Breakthrough Coaching pilot them to success. Visit soniccoaching.com today. 
Sonic Coaching, helping good businesses break through to great. We're on the web at soniccoaching.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to Ask the Coach with Oliver Basner. To reach the show today, call us at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Ask the Coach. And we're back. Welcome, everyone. For those of you just uh, joining us, it's Oliver Basner with Ask the Coach. Uh, first of all, if you have any questions, please feel free to give us a call. The number is one 472 5790. And so uh, we're talking about delegating today. And uh, where we ended up with was true delegation is empowering. There's a high level of, of trust and confidence in the person you're, you're delegating to. The person that's being delegated to wants to run with it. They want to take initiative. They're passionate. And uh, and you're, you're doing uh, one thing, and that is my three favorite words is you're trusting but verifying everything people do. That's not to the point of micromanaging. You trust them, but you still need to check with, in with them regularly to make sure there's communication going on and uh, that you know what's, uh, how things are moving forward. So I understand we have a caller, Sid from Calgary. Sid, how are you today? Good, Oliver. How are you? I am doing well. So, Sid, tell me a little bit about your business. Uh, well, I got a sign shop in Calgary. And uh, you've got a delegation question or, or a challenge around your team currently, is that correct? Yeah, y- yesterday I was, uh, it just kind of dawned on me, you know, it seemed like everybody was coming to me and asking me questions and how do we do this and what should we do here and what are your thoughts about that? And I kept thinking it just seems like I'm the bottleneck in the business and I, I got to figure out a way to start delegating some things to people. Um, but I do have some new staff and so, you know, there's that, uh, you know, you were talking about trust and I guess maybe you feel a little bit um, uh, anxious about, you know, the trust thing, you know, when you've got new staff and you're not sure they're going to make the right, the right decision. Okay, excellent. So um, have you had a chance to do any delegating to them yet? I mean, you said they're fairly new. How new are they? Uh, well, one staff member just started here this week, so that's very really new. And, Pretty and new. The, yeah, very new. And then the other staff member, he's been on about uh, two months now. Um, so he's, he's fairly new. And then I have a seasoned, um, uh, employee that's been around for a while. Okay. So you got a little bit of everything going on there right now. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I can't tell you this, Sid, I, I like to joke with my clients, you know, the, the first week, if they figure out where the washrooms are and how to answer the phone, they you've probably done a great job. So, um, <laughs> if she's gotten to that point, you're probably there now. She knows um, how to make coffee. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, as long as you're making it once in a while, right? So, um, yeah, in terms of, that's a great question, Sid. So, you know, here's a couple of strategies that I've used with my clients. You know, because you're feeling pulled in, in many directions. You hire the help, and now you feel like you're busier than you ever were, correct? That's right. Yeah, so um, the first thing I want you to know is that there's a lot of heavy lifting when you first bring somebody on board. And unfortunately, that's how it does feel in the beginning. You're going to have to, you know, kind of hold their hand a little bit because they don't really, even if they come from the industry, you know, let's say, uh, you know, I don't know, what did you hire the new person for, Sid? The for sales. One. Sales. Okay, perfect. So if you're hiring them for sales, maybe they have a sales background. 
but maybe they don't have a signage background. Maybe they don't even know anything about your business or how to talk about signage and everything that you guys do. And so, you know, there's a huge learning curve. And I can tell you that within the first two weeks, they go from that Yahoo happy face to the sad face of, oh, my God, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to understand everything that's going on. So even though you're frustrated, understand they're probably frustrated as well, even if they're not sharing that with you, right, because they, mm -hmm. they're feeling a little bit lost. So, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about early in the show is, is definitely something I would do, Sid, and that is I would have a check-in with your newest employee every day for now, right, until you feel they're to the point where they don't have a million questions. You know, the other thing you said is you're being pulled everywhere and they have all these questions is I've kind of guided and coached my new hires in the past um, to save their questions. So I want you to clump all your questions together and maybe in the beginning it's twice a day we have a quick check-in, right, where I can answer all their questions. Um, or if, if you know they're pretty solid, it might only be once a day if you find that's all they need. But by doing that, it frees that, hey, Sid, I have a question, or excuse me, Sid, can I ask you a question about this, or Sid, I don't know how to do this. And in the meantime, you, you know, not only are they not helping themselves, because maybe they could figure it out, it just take them a little longer, but they're also pulling you all the time from what you're trying to accomplish. So that would be the first oh. thing I would say, Sid. Oh, that's great. That's good, good info. Yeah, no, excellent. And then the other thing, you know, is, is that really that trust but verify piece, right? Is you're checking in with them daily, you're gonna trust but verify, and how are you? Are you a good delegator? Be honest with me, or do you like to micromanage? No, actually, I prefer to delegate because I just got too much on my plate to try and deal with it all myself. So, but okay. I, you know, I do, I guess, uh, like to have my hand in things, so kind of have a pulse on what's going on. So I guess there's a bit of micromanaging, I guess, from uh, just understanding what's happening in the business. Yeah, and that's just trusting but verifying. As long as you're not asking them a million questions, you know, every two hours, right? That's micromanaging. If you're checking in with them and, and just getting an update, that's just trusting but verifying. You know, so that would be the second piece, Sid, is I would make sure that they're, you know, they're, they're bundling the questions together um, and then you're not getting bombarded throughout the entire day. Now, if they're on an important project, of course you have to give them permission to, to ask a question or get a hold of you, right? I mean, let's say your installer, I'm assuming you guys install signs, and let's say your installer's out in the field, he can't move forward unless he asks you this question. Of course he needs to be able to get a hold of you. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, the constant questions and, and ongoing, uh, you know, being pulled in all those directions. Right. Helpful, Sid, does that give you some new things to work on? No, that's fantastic, Oliver. I appreciate the, the insight. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks so much for calling in, Sid. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. So um, we're, you know, we're with Ask the Coach. Delegating Sid had a great question with his new hires. And so we're going to move on now. What if you don't have anybody to delegate to? How do you surround yourself with the right people? Right? How do you even know they're the right people? Well, I had the opportunity to tour Zappos, the shoe company here, a few weeks ago down in, uh, in Las Vegas, which is where their head office is. Those of you that aren't familiar with Zappos, Zappos is an online shoe company. They're over 10 years old. Uh, and who would have thought that online shoe company could, you know, grow to the point where they got sold to Amazon for one point, I think it was $1.2 billion uh, four years ago. But it was all about culture. So they hire for culture first. And so that's how you surround yourself with the right people. Is in Zappos, they told us it's a three to four month hiring process, whether you're the person being hired to answer the phone or you're being hired as the vice president of a department. Because in their world, if you don't fit culturally, the rest doesn't matter. In fact, they shared a story where they had somebody who was technically perfect for a job that uh, they applied for. The, the part, department desperately needed an individual like this person that it applied. 
and yet they didn't fit culturally, so they didn't make the cut. And so that's really what you're looking for. What's the culture? What do you stand for? And usually the culture is a good reflection of the leader in the organization um, or a good reflection of the entrepreneur, the owner of the organization. So, you know, if, if you're a people-oriented or are you a customer-first oriented company, what's that culture? And, you know, if you're hiring somebody and, and your first impression is that, you know, this person isn't going to, you know, they can't even dress up for the interview properly, how am I going to get them to go call on CEOs and C-suite executives? You've got a problem, right? Culturally not a fit. Yeah, you could train them how to dress properly, but what else doesn't fit? And so that's the first thing you want to look at. And I love to look for fire in the belly, right? They have to have some passion and some fire. They have to be excited about their role. They have to give me some great examples of things they've, they're proud of and they've accomplished. So that's how you surround yourself with the right people. Hire slow, fire fast, as the old adage goes. Not hire fast, fire slow, like so many people do because they're desperate and they need somebody desperately. Hire slow, take your time. Is it a cultural fit? Check references. You know, we use a behavioral assessment that we use with our clients when they're hiring. Are they behaviorally, you know, do their strengths and weaknesses line up with what you're looking for? And so that's how you start surrounding yourself with the right people. Now, you know, the question always comes up, who do I delegate to? You know, I don't even have a team right now. How would I delegate to? I don't have any money, right? Profits aren't there. I can't afford to hire. Well, let me give you a share a story with you. I've had my own uh, coaching consulting company now for over nine years. When I first started nine years ago, I didn't have any clients. I had zero clients. I was starting brand new. And so, you know, I got my first client, then I got my second client. And at the time, we were sending out a newsletter in, in, you know, through regular mail. And so, you know, I needed the newsletter printed. You know, we had a certain way of printing it, double-sided. It had to be folded. It's exactly a way where the person pulling it out of the envelope, it would fold open so they could see kind of the headline. And so I didn't have any staff. I had nobody. It was a staff of one, me, and I was wearing 30 different hats, maybe 50 hats. And so, but I had a 14-year-old. And my 14-year-old was a pretty smart kid. And my 14-year-old also was getting, at that time, I think it was about $10 allowance a month. And I remember looking at him and I said, Thomas, you know, would you consider, you know, would you be able to do this for me? And I showed him what we were doing with the newsletter. And I said, I'll pay you $10 an hour. Right. And um, he, he was all excited. So I showed him how to do it. And again, trust but verify. I watched him do a couple and stuff them. And he did it all correctly. And I, I let him go. And he went off for three hours and he printed and folded and stuffed envelopes and put stamps on them and came back three hours later. You know, he said, here you go, dad. It's all done. And I gave him $30. He was all excited. Got any more work for me, dad? And of course, at that point, I didn't. And I said, well, not right now, but I'll let you know. Right. And so here's the thing, though. I found three hours in my life, maybe more, because he might have been quicker at it than I would have been. Maybe it was even three and a half or four hours. But let's say the three hours that I saved, that I paid him $30 and I pulled the money out of my wallet, right? That I, could I afford to hire help? No, I couldn't afford not to, because I used those three hours productively. See, what happens is when I'm coaching with clients, often we help them find more time. As you're doing today, you know, we're helping you find more time. And then they go out and they do the busy work. You know, I got to do emails. I got to catch up on these, you know, emails and I got to do some filing and I haven't, you know, done my bookkeeping. And no, you go out, take those three hours and you do the most important job in your business. You'll know what that is. Usually it's something to do with either working with clients or providing leadership to your team or getting the work done if you're a solopreneur. So, you know, if you're going to hire somebody, get creative. You know, there's lots of online places. You can get uh, virtual assistants. 
you can use places like, uh, used to be called Elance or Odesk. I think they're called Upwork now. Upwork would be another place you can go. Um, and then um, from there, delegate. Now, what do you delegate? That's always the big question I get is, now what do I delegate to the people that I'm delegating to? So I've got creative and, you know, if you don't have any money or you don't even have $30, you can always barter, right? In the early days, you know, I used to give an invoice to somebody, they give me an invoice back and, you know, we, we just traded services. The invoices were strictly so we could keep track of who owed what, right? And, um, and that was a great way to get some help. So how do you do that? Well, there's a, a thing I want you to do, and we call it listing your technician jobs. So Michael Gerber uh, wrote a, a very uh, you know, well-written and famous book called The E-Myth, and The E-Myth is the entrepreneur myth. And he talks about technician jobs in there. And the technician jobs go like this. You know, they're the jobs that pull you in 30, 40, 50 different directions. In fact, you do no less than 30 of them in any given week especially if you're you know a solopreneur if you're in a leadership position you're probably still doing 30 to 50 things right and not all of them are your specialty so i want you to jot those down in fact if you uh, at the end of the show if you want to head over to my website uh, sonic coaching s o n i c and then c o a c h i n g .com um, go to uh, ask the coach tab uh, you can get a free download of this but i want you to list all your technician jobs every one of them and i don't want you to stop till you get at least the 30, right? On our sheet, we have 34 spots, print three sheets if you need to, right? And so right, list them all, and then I want you to go back and put a dollar amount beside each one of those technician jobs. What would it cost you creatively or to hire somebody virtually or to hire someone part-time to do that work for you? You know, here's an example. If you're running out getting supplies for your office, put a zero beside it. Come on, folks, these office supply stores all, all deliver for free. You shouldn't be running out to do that. You know what, it's on a 50 or $75 minimum usually, you can you can often get your office supplies and they're delivered free. So why would you spend half an hour, 45 minutes when you could use that time now to go make more money or work on your specialty? So that's what I want you to do. List all your technician jobs and then creatively farm out the lowest price ones first. Just like I farmed out my $10 an hour job to my son, he was so excited and uh, and it, you know, it was a win-win situation for both of us. Uh, you can do the same. And as I said, head on over to my website, sonicoaching.com, under the Ask the Coach tab, uh, and we've got it set up there. You can actually download that for free. And we use that with all our clients. So uh, hopefully that will help you out. Now, what are some of those jobs you're going to delegate? Well, there's there's all kinds of them, right? And so um, you're going to delegate things like um, schedule, right? Uh, you know, you can either get software or any of those things. So think about what you want to do there. So we're almost up uh, on our time. So, uh, you know, with Ask the Coach, I'm very excited. Next show, make sure you don't miss it. We've got Eleanor Culver coming from Real HR here in Calgary. Eleanor is brilliant at human resources, and she's going to talk about those millennials that nobody understands how to motivate. So millennials, and we're going to talk about all the other generations in the workforce as well. So that's our next show next Tuesday, 8 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Mountain. Uh, you're with Ask the Coach, and uh, have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening. Ask the Coach with Oliver Basner can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a sky-high week.